All right. Uh, so uh, thank you for having me here, and uh, I'm glad that we can all uh, gather uh, together uh, to open up the, the book of Ephesians. Uh, and today we will begin with an introduction, uh, and our introduction will probably take uh, about two weeks. Uh, and so uh, today I'll open it for, for questions uh, at, at two points around the middle uh, and at the end. Uh, but we, we have quite a bit to cover uh, with the introduction. Uh, and now, the, the book of Ephesians is uh, vital for forming uh, a Christian uh, worldview, a uh, view of the world. Uh, in that respect, it's very similar to uh, the book of Genesis. Uh, with Genesis, uh, Moses takes us all the way back uh, to the very beginning of creation, uh, to show a God and his purposes in all of creation. Uh, his purpose to create and to bless his creatures, to bless humanity, uh, showing that uh, Yahweh, uh, God, is not just the God of the Israelites. Uh, he is not just the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he is the God of all creation. He is the God of history. He is the God of all humanity. Uh, and in that same respect, Ephesians takes us all the way back to the beginning, uh, even uh, before uh, the, the beginning, to show God and his eternal purposes uh, in Christ to redeem a particular people for his own possession and to make himself known to all of the world. Uh, and if we get one thing from the book of Ephesians in the first three chapters, uh, it is that very fact, uh, to know God. And Paul is going to stress that over and over again uh, to understand his eternal purposes uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so that's what, what we'll be uh, studying uh, and today, uh, we will begin with uh, an introduction, uh, and uh, this is just to lay the groundwork. Uh, I'd, I'd love to just dive right into the text and uh, get going, but it's important to establish uh, a context for uh, interpreting Ephesians and handling it uh, properly within uh, all of Scripture. Uh, and so uh, today, we will begin with uh, the letter's uh, author, uh, its place of uh, origin or provenance from where uh, Paul was writing. Uh, and then that's probably as far as we'll get today. Uh, and then next week, Lord willing, we'll look at the recipients, uh, the, the destination, uh, where, where Paul was writing to uh, and uh, the letter's purpose. And then let's just begin by reading uh, the first two verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And now here, Paul begins uh, with uh, an opening, uh, letters in the ancient world and uh, all of Paul's Letters, they're framed by an opening uh, and a closing. And the opening is important uh, for basically uh, setting the context and orienting the readers 
uh, to the rest of the, the letter, introducing the themes, uh, the author uh, to whom he's addressing. Uh, and here he'll even begin to characterize the rest of the letter. So just for example, uh, there's a scholar named uh, Stephen Rungi. He, he compared li- like an opening uh, to almost a, a business card uh, where the, the author's giving his uh, credentials uh, for the rest of the letter. Uh, so, for example, with the, the book of Romans, uh, it was a church that Paul had never been to before. Uh, and so uh, he presents a very long introductory opening to the, the book of Romans, introducing himself uh, to people who never knew him. Uh, and so just the, the first verse is, uh, Paul, a slave of Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Uh, and he goes on for even another six verses going into the gospel, uh, the, the very themes that the book of Romans is uh, all about, uh, introducing himself to them. And then with the book of Galatians, which we just studied, uh, the error is so serious of the Judaizers, uh, the heresy, and the Galatians are uh, going astray uh, away from the gospel. And so he opens uh, defending his very apostolic authority, uh, which was under attack. Uh, And so he says, uh, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, uh, who raised him from the dead, uh, and all the brothers who are with me. And so he's showing uh, my apostolic gospel authority doesn't come from men, uh, but it comes straight from the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and from uh, God uh, himself. Uh, And then just a couple other quick examples. Uh, In Thessalonians and Philemon, he makes no appeal to his apostolic uh, authority uh, whatsoever. Uh, In Thessalonians, uh, it was a church where uh, Paul had just been chased out of town, uh, and there were new converts that he was deeply concerned for, but he had heard that their faith had held fast. Uh, And so he just opens on a very personal note, uh, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Uh, just the three of them on on equal footing. And he doesn't even have to appeal to his apostolic authority. And then with Philemon, uh, Philemon was a slave owner of Onesimus who had run away, uh, had come to slave, and had come uh, come to believe the the gospel. Uh, And in the Roman world, uh, a runaway slave was a very serious issue, and it could mean Onesimus' death. Uh, And so Paul takes a very personal, tactful, persuasive approach. Uh, He recognizes uh, that, yes, I could exercise my apostolic authority, but Philemon, I want you uh, to act uh, on your heart uh, to do uh, the right thing here. And so he says, uh, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our uh, brother, and doesn't appeal to his apostolic credentials. Uh, And then in the book of Ephesians, uh, here, uh, it's a rather general greeting. It's a common common greeting from Paul, uh, where he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, uh, by uh, the will of God. Uh, And I have to pause for a moment. I have flat feet, uh, so I'm having a hard time on the the hard floor, so I'm going to move my stuff quickly and sit down. All right, sorry about that. And so uh, he opens uh, as uh, an apostle of uh, Christ 
uh, Jesus. Uh, an apostle was one who was a special envoy uh, sent by uh, the king, uh, in this case, uh, the Messiah, uh, God's anointed king, uh, with his authority uh, to speak and to act uh, on behalf of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so uh, th- this is an apostle uh, par excellence. This is one of the, the 12. Uh, and as Eric and Bob have uh, spoken uh, so well and taught us uh, over the months and the years, uh, an apostle of Christ Jesus, uh, now there, there were varieties of apostles. There could be people sent as envoys uh, between the churches, but an apostle of Christ Jesus was someone who was a very, very special uh, indeed. Uh, they had to have seen uh, the resurrected Christ. Uh, they had to have been commissioned by Christ himself. Uh, and that's where I'd agree with Bob uh, and Eric that I think probably uh, the apostles uh, right after the resurrection uh, were somewhat presumptuous in thinking uh, that they could cast lots uh, to choose uh, the next apostle when they didn't realize uh, in God's providence Christ himself uh, in person would choose uh, his apostle to replace uh, Judas. Uh, and so we, we see that in Acts chapter 9. Uh, and then uh, they had to be taught by Christ, uh, which is the very thing that we see uh, in the book of Galatians. Uh, Paul was taught uh, by Christ. Uh, and then finally, uh, he was the last one uh, to whom uh, Christ appeared, uh, which we've seen in, in past weeks uh, from, from Eric and Bob in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, where he says, uh, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also uh, to me, uh, for I am the least of all uh, the apostles. And goes on to talk about uh, this, this last uh, sighting of uh, Christ, and it was to Paul. Uh, and then in Revelation 21, uh, verse 14, uh, at the New Jerusalem, uh, there are only 12 foundations in the New Jerusalem representing uh, the apostles. There are only 12. Uh, there will only be 12, uh, and there will never be uh, another apostle of Christ. Uh, and I'll just read it for you. Uh, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Uh, and now, uh, also in verse 1, uh, Paul adds uh, that he's an apostle of Christ Jesus uh, by the will of God. Uh, it's ultimately God's determination and God's agency uh, that made uh, Paul uh, an apostle. Uh, and so uh, he bears uh, the very authority given him uh, by God uh, to speak and act uh, authoritatively, which is very important for uh, the Ephesians uh, to whom he is writing and also for, for all of us as well. And in, I, I think we can draw from uh, Luke 10, uh, verse 16, uh, when Jesus sends out uh, the 70, uh, his disciples, uh, how much more does this apply uh, to uh, the 12? Uh, where uh, he is pronouncing, he is instructing his disciples. Uh, and he is pronouncing judgment on the cities of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum 
uh, and he uh, announces, uh, the one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Uh, And so uh, to listen to Christ is to listen to uh, the ones whom he has sent. Uh, Paul is an envoy uh, sent by Christ himself, uh, and to reject him is not to just to reject uh, the Apostle Paul, but it's to reject uh, the Lord Jesus Christ himself uh, and the one who sent him, uh, God the Father. Uh, and so uh, this is something important to keep in mind for our own study uh, of the book of Ephesians, uh, that, uh, yes, uh, these are the words of men, uh, these are the words of the Apostle Paul, uh, but ultimately uh, they are the very word, authoritative words uh, of God. Uh, and now, uh, so we've covered a little bit about the author. Uh, we're going to go into the, the letter's provenance, uh, the origin from which it was written, uh, but uh, I'll briefly open it up for uh, comments or uh, questions if anyone uh, wants to say anything, and then we can uh, move along. We have one, have one over here. Looks like a live oh. one. <laughs> Testing here. Okay. Um, Adam, you said to one untimely born. Can you uh, expand on what he meant by that? Yeah, th- that's in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15. Uh, and Paul spoke of himself uh, as one uh, b- born out of his time and out of his season, uh, being the very last of all. He wasn't one of the, uh, the original uh, with the Twelve in Christ's, uh, Christ's ministry, uh, and he considers himself uh, really the, the least of uh, all the, the apostles. And so uh, that's how, how I'd take it, almost a, like a child being born out of season, out of the, the, the time that you would expect for them. Yeah, and he, he goes on even more, for I am the least of all the apostles. Uh, and four, uh, he's explaining it. Uh, I am the least of all the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, uh, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God uh, that is with me. Yep. All right, uh, we'll... Move on to the letter's uh, place of origin or its provenance. Uh, I decided to go a little deeper into these issues uh, just because we, we really couldn't cram it all into one week. And uh, I thought that really this has implications for our study uh, of all of the prison epistles. Uh, so for uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, uh, and so I thought that uh, this might be useful for our study of Ephesians, uh, but also uh, just for, for our church, uh, for your, your own study. Uh, and so I hope it's fruitful uh, for you to go a little, little deeper into some of these issues. Uh, and now there are three views uh, about uh, from where, uh, whence, uh, Paul was writing uh, his letter to uh, the Ephesians, along with the other uh, prison epistles. 
Uh, the first view uh, is that he was writing from Ephesus. Uh, and so uh, they would uh, think that there must have been a time when Paul was imprisoned in Eth Ephesus uh, during his ministry there uh, between uh, around 52 and 55 uh, AD. Uh, a second view uh, is that it was during his imprisonment uh, in Caesarea. Uh, after he returned from his third missionary journey, uh, which three, of you, three years was in Ephesus between 52 and 55 AD, uh, he arrived back in Jerusalem uh, in early 57 AD, uh, and not too long after, uh, he was arrested and imprisoned in uh, Caesarea uh, for about two years, between 57 and 59 uh, AD. Uh, and as for the dates I'm giving, uh, I'm agreeing with uh, Douglas Moo and D.A. Carson in their uh, introduction uh, to the New Testament. Uh, and then a final view, uh, and this is the, the traditional view, uh, is that he was writing uh, from his imprisonment uh, in Rome uh, between uh, 60 and 62 uh, AD, and that would be his uh, first imprisonment uh, in Rome uh, after he was transferred from uh, Caesarea by ship uh, to uh, Rome, which you can read about uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, and now the, the first thing to realize uh, before we get into the, the arguments for this uh, is that uh, in general, uh, the prison epistles, uh, Ephesians, uh, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, uh, they must be taken together uh, because they are so intimately tied together, uh, sharing common historical situations, uh, common themes, uh, common lists of Paul's fellow co-workers uh, and co, uh, his fellow prisoners, uh, and uh, so on. They're, they're so tightly woven together, and we'll see some of that soon as, as we're going through uh, these arguments. Uh, and just for example, uh, Tychicus appears in three of Paul's letters, uh, and Tychicus was one who, whom uh, Paul sent uh, between the churches and himself. And so he reported to Paul. He delivered letters for him. Uh, he's also tied together with Onesimus uh, because Paul had trusted uh, Onesimus to Tychicus, uh, and they went and delivered the letter to Ephesus and to Colossae uh, and also went uh, to uh, Philemon. Uh, and so we'll, we'll see other examples of this. Uh, and then... Uh, I'll primarily make a positive case uh, for the traditional Roman view. Uh, and I want you to know, I'm not arguing for the Roman view out of traditionalism, uh, but because I think it's biblical. I, I think most Christians throughout history uh, have been uh, right about uh, this view. Uh, but first, we'll, we'll briefly uh, talk about some of the points of the Ephesian uh, imprisonment between uh, 52 and 55 A.D., now, this view has some uh, very major uh, problems. Uh, the, the first and perhaps most obvious uh, problem uh, is given by Clint, Clinton Arnold. Uh, he's written a, a commentary on the book of Ephesians, and so far uh, his introduction to the book is, uh, is the best, and I hope the, the rest of the commentary is just as good. Uh, but the first major problem is that 
there is no explicit reference anywhere to uh, an Ephesian uh, imprisonment uh, or one uh, of any extended or short duration uh, whatsoever. Uh, and as uh, Clinton Arnold says, uh, Paul apparently, quote, uh, left the city, city immediately after, uh, end quote, uh, the riots by the silversmiths uh, and the, the craftsmen and the Ephesians uh, in uh, the theater. Uh, apparently, Paul left just a short time later uh, as uh, Luke uh, depicts it. So there's no explicit re reference to an Ephesian imprisonment. Uh, and there's a second problem, and this is perhaps the, the biggest problem, uh, is that uh, as D.A. Carson and Douglas Moo say, uh, Luke, uh, the author of uh, the Gospel of Luke and Acts, uh, and Mark, uh, the cousin of Barnabas, must fit into the account. Uh, they fit into Paul's uh, prison epistles, his prison letters, uh, but uh, they do not fit uh, into the Ephesian account. Uh, as for Mark, uh, he had a falling out uh, with Mark during his first missionary journey. Uh, and Barnabas and Mark, uh, well, first Mark had, uh, as Paul uh, put it, he had deserted them uh, on the mission when they were about to head up to Antioch. Uh, and then, uh, when they're about to begin the second missionary journey around 49 AD, uh, they uh, went their separate ways, Mark and Barnabas uh, together. Uh, and it's only, uh, only later in the prison epistles uh, and Paul's last epistles that you begin to see uh, a reconciliation with Mark. So uh, we, we just don't see Mark in the Ephesian account. Uh, and then there are we sections in the book of Acts. Uh, there are all these sections where suddenly it picks up, uh, we went here, uh, we did this, we did that. Uh, and the, the author, Luke, uh, is giving his firsthand account of his travels with the Apostle Paul and Timothy and Silas and uh, Paul's other uh, companions. Uh, but this does not fit with Paul's third missionary journey in Ephesus. Uh, so, for example, uh, the we sections appear in Acts uh, chapter 16, uh, in Acts chapter uh, 20, 21, and 27. Uh, and the first time that there's a we section, uh, it's on the second missionary journey uh, when Paul arrives at Troas, uh, which is at the very western coast of modern-day Turkey, uh, ancient Asia Minor, a little more toward the north. And they met at Troas, and then they crossed west over the Aegean uh, to Macedonia. And Greece is just to the, the south of uh, Macedonia. Uh, and it went from Troas to Philippi, uh, the, the we section. Uh, but in Philippi, after Paul was arrested with Silas, the we section uh, drops out, and it doesn't pick up again. Uh, and then the next time that a we section picks up, is after the third missionary journey, so 52 to 57 AD. Uh, he leaves uh, Ephesus uh, around 53 AD, uh, travels to Macedonia, uh, south to uh, Greece, uh, and then because of a plot of the Jews, he travels back north up to Macedonia, uh, and behold, uh, from Philippi to Troas, uh, a wee section picks back up. So somewhere between Greece and Philippi, uh, Luke met back up with Paul. Uh, and so he doesn't fit 
uh, into, uh, into Paul's ministry uh, in uh, Ephesus. Uh, and then just a, a, a third point. Uh, the, the first two points are, the, are probably the bigger ones. Uh, there's no explicit reference uh, to an Ephesian imprisonment, either, either short or long, to, to write all of his letters. Uh, and then Luke and Mark don't fit uh, into, the, uh, into the account. Uh, and then just a third one, uh, Clinton Arnold says, uh, Ephesians seems to be written sometime after Paul's ministry uh, in Ephesus. Uh, it seems that he, he's probably writing to uh, some, some older converts, but uh, also many new ones. And the, the letter is fairly uh, general uh, in its uh, character. And uh, with a Roman imprisonment, uh, some five to seven years would have passed and probably somewhere closer to uh, six or, or seven years. Uh, and now I would like to uh, turn to, uh, to make a positive case for uh, Paul writing from Rome. Uh, and this will be a cumulative case, uh, and it, it will also uh, gradually uh, undermine uh, the Caesarean view uh, that Paul wrote between 57 and 59 uh, A.D. And now, can I get a couple people to uh, read texts? Uh, we, okay, uh, Philippians 1, uh, verse 18 through 26. Uh, and I'll have you pause at 19. Uh, and then I'll also have you read one more af- after that, because it's also in Philippians. So, uh, Philippians first, 1, let, 18. Yep, let, let me preface, preface this. Uh, so, uh, the, the first argument is that Paul expected to be released uh, from a prison, or uh, at the very least, he anticipated to get a verdict, uh, likely a positive one, uh, about how, how it would go with him uh, as far as his uh, imprisonment, uh, either regarding uh, death or being uh, exonerated and released from prison. Uh, and this, this expectation to be released from prison uh, fits very well with uh, a Roman uh, imprisonment, as we'll argue. So, go ahead. Philippians 1.18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Go on to 19. Okay. I thought you wanted me to pause there. Okay. And 19 through 26. Or ni- 19, just 19. Just 19? Okay. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So do you, do you notice, uh, as mine says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out uh, for uh, my Deliverance. He's expecting his deliverance, and we're going to see this uh, a couple more times, uh, even in uh, stronger terms, uh, as it is my eager expectation and hope uh, that I will not uh, be ashamed. And so now you can read through the, the rest, uh, through 26. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. 
But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Uh, so see, uh, Paul was in a dilemma. Should I, should I depart? And he's facing his death. I mean, this is very serious. He's looking at uh, execution at this point uh, or uh, being uh, exonerated uh, to leave and to, be with, uh, to, to have more fruitful ministry uh, with the Philippians. Uh, convinced of this, I know that I will re- remain and continue with you all for the progress and joy uh, in the faith. Uh, and then would you read Philippians 2, uh, verses 19 through 24. Can you bring that up? Oh. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Jesus Christ. But you know this, his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. So you see, obviously, as he's saying, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon uh, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. Uh, But uh, first, he's waiting to see how it goes with him, to see how the verdict will turn out. Uh, and he's, he's positive, hoping uh, that he'll send Timothy, he'll find out, send Timothy shortly, uh, and that he too will follow Timothy uh, to see the, the Philippians. Uh, and then there, there's another in uh, Philemon, but that, that one's a little, little less certain. Uh, there, there are some similar uh, themes. I'll, I'll just read that. Uh, confident of your obedience, I write to you, uh, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Uh, at the same time, prepare a guest room for me, uh, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously uh, given to you. Uh, but uh, as for Philippians, he, he's uh, anticipating to learn uh, very soon uh, and to uh, be released and to come to them. And so uh, Paul was expecting uh, to find out how it would go for him and to, to be released from prison. And this fits very well uh, with uh, a Roman uh, imprisonment. Uh, because uh, first, uh, Paul went to Rome uh, to make his appeal uh, to Caesar. Uh, and so uh, he, he was in prison with uh, Felix for two years uh, and then about a couple weeks after Festus became governor of the province of Judea, uh, Festus decided to do a favor for the Jews uh, and to send Paul up to Jerusalem uh, so that they could uh, ambush him 
uh, and put him, put him to his death. Uh, but Paul appealed uh, to Caesar. Uh, and now something important to understand about Caesar and Roman citizens was that Roman citizens could appeal uh, to have their trial taken to Caesar. And Caesar had the power of, uh, over life and death. Uh, he could have Paul executed or he could have him uh, exonerated and send him uh, free uh, back out as a Roman citizen. Uh, and so Paul went uh, for this very purpose. Uh, in Acts uh, 25, uh, verses 9 through uh, 12, uh, it reads, uh, But Festus, uh, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, uh, Do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and there to be tried on these charges before me? Uh, but Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal, uh, where I ought to be tried. Uh, to the Jews, I have done no wrong, uh, as you yourself know very well. Uh, if then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything uh, for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Uh, then Festus, uh, when he had conferred with his council, answered, To Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you shall go. Uh, and in Acts chapter tw 27, uh, he traveled uh, to uh, Rome by boat uh, for this very thing, uh, to make his appeal uh, to, to the final court of appeals uh, to, to find out what, what would happen to him. Uh, the, the buck stops with Caesar. Uh, that's, that's it. Uh, and so his expectation fits well with Rome. Uh, and we also know that Paul was released from his Roman imprisonment. Uh, and we see this uh, in some of the later epistles, the, the pastoral epistles, uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. Uh, and it's even alluded to uh, in the book of Acts, either his, his near release or his release, uh, because Luke ends uh, the book of Acts uh, in Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31. Uh, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, uh, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Uh, and so here, he lived there two whole years at his own expense. And uh, we know around 62 AD uh, that Paul was released. Uh, he had further ministry, which we see in 1 Timothy, uh, Titus, and his second imprisonment in 2 Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, there's no hope of release. He's expecting his imminent death and wants Timothy to come to him uh, very uh, quickly. Uh, and so, uh, in summary, uh, we know that Paul... Uh, anticipated uh, being released or at least receiving a likely positive verdict uh, and that uh, this fits well with Rome uh, because uh, Paul went uh, to make his appeal uh, to Caesar uh, who had power over life and death uh, and we know that Paul was released from his Roman imprisonment uh, and this this just does not uh, seem as likely that, that Paul would anticipate these things with his Caesarean uh, imprisonment. I mean, p perhaps at some time, but uh, with Felix, the, the first governor, uh, 
under which he was uh, in prison for uh, two years. Uh, Felix was waiting around for money and for bribes and was uh, leading it on and on and on and really wasn't serious about giving uh, Paul a, a, fair, a fair shake or a fair uh, trial. And then he left him in prison as a favor to the Jews. Uh, and then just a couple weeks after Festus became governor, uh, Festus uh, had already was plotting with the Jews, uh, trying to do them another favor, and Paul had, had appealed to uh, Caesar. Uh, and so I, I think this fits best with a Roman imprisonment, which would place the, the prison epistles, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon uh, in uh, Rome in Paul's first imprisonment. And now I, I just have a, a couple more uh, primary arguments, and these ones are a bit a bit shorter uh, and less involved than, than that one. Uh, so other than expecting to be released, uh, Luke, Aristarchus, and Mark, uh, if you remember, uh, they uh, fit uh, very well with uh, a Roman imprisonment. Uh, so, for example, uh, Luke and Aristarchus are said to have traveled with Paul uh, as freemen, and they'll be important in a moment, uh, to uh, Rome, uh, from Caesarea uh, to uh, Rome. Uh, And that's reported in Acts uh, 27. Uh, And so we have a we section uh, that's consistent, which would be consistent with the Caesarean imprisonment, uh, but one also going to Rome, uh, to the Roman imprisonment, uh, unlike uh, the time when Paul was in Ephesus. Uh, And Aristarchus... Uh, was a fellow prisoner of Paul's uh, with uh, Epaphras. Uh, As Paul says uh, in uh, Colossians, uh, Colossians 4.10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, uh, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, uh, concerning whom you have received instructions. Uh, If he comes to you, uh, welcome him. Uh, Now, Aristarchus and Luke traveled with Paul as freemen to Rome, uh, and so apparently uh, Aristarchus wasn't a prisoner uh, be, immediately before that time, uh, and so it'd probably make more sense that it would uh, fit with a, a later Roman imprisonment when Paul was in uh, Rome for, uh, for a, couple, a couple years uh, unless maybe you took it that Aristarchus had been a, a prisoner at some some other time, but uh, th- these fit fit well with the Roman imprisonment. Uh, and then Mark uh, is also associated with Rome, uh, not just in uh, Paul's uh, Paul's prison epistles. Uh, so he's mentioned in Colossians and uh, Philemon, uh, but uh, also in uh, Paul's later epistle, Second uh, Timothy. Uh, Mark is mentioned, he's associated with Rome. Uh, And in uh, Peter's first epistle, uh, where Peter alludes to Rome uh, as a Babylon, Uh, Mark greets you, uh, and he's greeting them from uh, Babylon. Uh, And Babylon's basically a code word uh, for uh, the worldly, uh, evil Roman uh, Empire. Uh, Rome is uh, the Babylon uh, of their their own time. Uh, and Eric has uh, talked about that uh, in the past. Uh, whereas I believe Eric said uh, the tr- true Babylon 
lay in ruins. Uh, and uh, you see throughout that, uh, that Mark and such are associated with, uh, with, with Rome, not the, the ancient ruins of, of Babylon. And so uh, Luke, Aristarchus, and Mark uh, fit well with uh, a Roman uh, imprisonment and uh, Paul's prison epistles. Uh, and then uh, the, the last two points, just one more uh, major point. Uh, the letter to Philemon uh, best fits uh, with Rome as well. Uh, so as uh, Clinton Arnold and Harold Honer uh, say, uh, Onesimus, uh, he, he most likely uh, fled not to Caesarea, which was a very uh, small uh, city, uh, but to uh, Rome. There, there were ships daily going between uh, the harbor of Ephesus uh, and Rome. Uh, Ephesus was the most busy uh, port uh, in Asia uh, and the most, uh, the most important uh, port city uh, really be, besides Rome. Uh, and uh, he most likely fled there because it would make more sense that he would find cover under a million people uh, densely packed in Rome, which was uh, very accessible by ship, uh, than a small town of, uh, of Caesarea, which is a very small city compared to uh, Rome. Uh, and then uh, Tychicus and Onesimus, uh, as I mentioned briefly earlier, uh, they're also associated with, they're mentioned in Ephesians, in Colossians, and uh, Philemon, and uh, Onesimus had been entrusted uh, to Tychicus to travel with him uh, to deliver the letter to Ephesus, to uh, Colossae, uh, and uh, to uh, probably also go to uh, Philemon as well. Uh, and so... Uh, and then as, as a final point, and we, we could go even into a, a lot more and make many more arguments, but I don't think we need to, uh, to, to go into to any more detail. It's just that there are other people that are associated with Paul's uh, first uh, traditional imprisonment in Rome, his prison epistles, and his second imprisonment uh, in Rome. There, there was a lot of activity between uh, Rome and Asia uh, in the uh, the, the, the later, uh, later times of Paul in his last years. Uh, so just for example, some of them we've mentioned, uh, Luke, uh, Mark, Timothy, Tychicus, uh, who is an Asian, uh, Demas. Uh, and these are uh, people who uh, stayed with Paul in his in imprisonments, who were sent on missions uh, by the Apostle Paul, uh, who uh, were summoned by Paul, and in the case of Demas, uh, who had actually uh, abandoned Paul uh, and left him uh, when Paul went uh, to uh, prison. And he said that Demas had, had loved the, the world. Uh, and so I, I think in conclusion, I, I think we can conclude that Paul was writing Ephesians uh, and the other prison epistles uh, from uh, from Rome, from his Roman imprisonment, and uh, that's the I think the the best uh, explanation of of all the the biblical historical uh, data, and uh, has the 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 least uh, the least problems uh, compared to the other views, uh, and so this would set the Book of Ephesians uh, between 60 and 62 A.D. Uh, during Paul's Roman imprisonment. Uh, and as Clinton Arnold says, uh, you know, we, we can't nail down exactly when he wrote it. But there, there may have been some time uh, that he allowed before 
before Tychicus and the, the churches uh, and Onesimus had contacted him and uh, had met up with him uh, in prison and before he had time to respond. So maybe 61, 62 AD, uh, which would be uh, six to seven years after his uh, his time in Ephesus. And uh, this is important for understanding the, the context of Ephesians uh, and recognizing uh, that uh, that. Some time had passed. Uh, there were probably some uh, some new converts uh, as well as old, uh, since Paul had mostly uh, really planted the the church uh, together with uh, with. Oh, suddenly uh, names slipped my mind. Uh, who are his coworkers? They traveled with uh, from Corinth uh, to. Uh, to uh, Ephesus during his second missionary uh, journey. There were Jews who came out of Rome um, quizzing uh, uh, everyone. Um, Yeah, Aquila and Priscilla. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, For some reason, they slipped my mind. Then then they met Apollos uh, in Ephesus, and uh, uh, he spoke spoke the word of the the Lord uh, accurately, uh, but they taught him even more accurately because he had only heard of the uh, the baptism of of John. Uh, But after leaving them on his second missionary journey around around 51 AD, uh, he pretty, after going back to Jerusalem and up north up to Antioch, up the coast of the Mediterranean, he uh, quickly went back to uh, to Ephesus, all the way to uh, western Turkey, uh, off of the off of the Aegean Sea, with uh, the Mediterranean to the uh, to the south, and there he really spent three years. And it was said that the the gospel had spread to all of Asia uh, from uh, Ephesus and Paul's ministry uh, there, uh, and so. Uh, I thought it was important to uh, go through all of this uh, detail just to uh, set the the context and hopefully it will help your uh, own studies uh, as we uh, read and study the uh, the prison epistles uh, and also the the book of Acts. And now I'm wondering if anyone has uh, any questions or uh, comments inquiring minds here um question i would have for you if you had to speculate the issues between paul and mark was it do you think dogma related or just two guys my way or the highway kind of no i i think heads I, I think in acts i think luke gives the the explanation uh, that we don't really know why uh but first they they had their time off of uh, i believe it's uh cyprus uh, which is an island uh, south of where Paul had had grown up on Tarsus, and then they went up to the the coast of uh, Turkey uh, or Asia Minor, uh, and uh, from there we we don't know exactly why, but uh, we we know Mark was fairly young and that he uh, tur- turned back. Uh, he didn't continue. Uh, on the mission uh, with them. Uh, He didn't go into the coastland. He didn't go uh, up to Antioch. Uh, 
Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. Uh, and Paul uh, basically saw that Mark wasn't dependable uh, and that he deserted them. Uh, and so he didn't, he didn't think Mark was, uh, was trustworthy to uh, take along on their uh, second missionary journey because he had, uh, he had deserted them on the, uh, the first one. And so he might have been young in his faith, maybe. Yeah, could, could have been. It was, it was still, conviction wasn't there. It, it was still in the, the fairy, fairly early years. I, I believe Mark may be mentioned uh, early, early in Acts uh, because I think it may, maybe even speaks about his his mother or his aunt, uh, where they they're maybe staying in his house. If it's the same Mark, uh, and then so if you you take it around, maybe. Uh, he, he could have been a convert around even as early as 33 A.D. or, or so. Um, and then Paul was probably converted around 30, uh, 34 A.D., uh, maybe 35. And, uh, and then their, their first missionary journey, though, was, was a ways later, uh, around, I think, 40, 47 to uh, 46, 47, 48 A.D., somewhere uh, somewhere in there, so I don't know exactly why uh, why Mark had had departed from them. <clears throat> That's a good question. There's some discussion now that I'm done with Galatians and I'm reflecting back on it. Um, the incident with Barnabas mm-hmm. that's addressed in Galatians, where he got carried along with Peter and carried away in the folly of dissociating from Gentile Christians in their fellowship. Yeah. According to the Acts 15 account, Barnabas and Mark were friends, and there was a dispute between Barnabas and Paul about this matter, Mm -hmm. about the usefulness of John Mark, and that um, Mark and Barnabas kind of went their own way. Mm -hmm. And after that, Paul was more... Um, associated with Titus in his preaching. Oh, yeah, that, that's an interesting point. I mean, I think as Luke frames it, uh, he, he addresses the dispute between uh, Paul did, didn't think that, that Mark was reliable because he had deserted them, but Barnabas decided to, uh, to, to go to, with Mark uh, anyway. And so I don't think that Luke mentions those things, but there, there could have been other, other underlying things going on. And that uh, would have taken place uh, after their first missionary journey when they were in Antioch, right? Yeah, uh, when when yeah. Peter went up to, to visit them be, before the Jerusalem Council. Somewhere in Acts. Oh. I'm supposed to know these things. Yeah, I'm assuming with uh, uh, the early date for Galatians that this happened as recounted in Acts 13 and 14, somewhere in there. Yeah. Okay. And when the incident with Peter and Barnabas happened somewhere in there, I'm assuming that by the time you get to Acts 15, where we have the account of this split, Mm -hmm. they did agree at the Jerusalem Council Mm -hmm. that the Gentiles were not going to be required to keep the law of Moses. Mm -hmm. And Barnabas agreed to that, but he's, and Peter really articulated the position. Yeah. Okay. So they had settled the doctrinal thing, but some of the scholars think Paul got a little bit 
less trustful of Barnabas and in his good friend John Mark. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, we're just reading what from what text we do have. Yeah, yeah. We we certainly we certainly know Luke Luke views of Luke's view and how he frames it uh, at the very beginning of the of the the second missionary journey. Uh, one last question. Yeah. Um, with regard to Paul's imprisonment, were his associates imprisoned with him, or did they have access to him from the outside and they kind of... Well, it, it seems mo- most of them, they, they did have access to Paul. Uh, he was able to have uh, visitors and people even to care for him. Uh, so like the, the Philippian church uh, sent, uh, I believe, Epaphroditus uh, with, uh, with provisions to uh, help, help Paul during his, uh, his Roman imprisonment. Uh, but we, we know there were some that he referred to as uh, fellow prisoners, such as, um, tr- uh, yeah, uh, I'm trying to remember how to, how to pronounce it again, Aristarchus, um, and I just said Epaphroditus, but there, there's one who, who sounds uh, Epaphras. Uh, Aristarchus and Epaphras uh, are both at in at least one of Paul's letters called uh, fellow prisoners. And so uh, I guess that be, could be the, the most, probably the, the simplest, uh, most accessible explanation was that uh, they, they had uh, spent some time uh, in prison, maybe, maybe for proclaiming, uh, proclaiming the gospel. Um, I, I guess uh, maybe a less accessible one would be that, that he had considered them that because maybe they had been fellow prisoners at least at Sometime, because I think from Second Corinthians, uh, we can get that there there are probably some at least short term uh, imprisonments that that maybe aren't mentioned uh, in the Book of Acts. Uh, but I, I'd assume that they they were at the the time. That seems the the most obvious explanation. Yeah, Steve. Yeah, uh, when it comes to discussing uh, Mark and Barnabas, we find out in Colossians that the two of them are cousins. Yeah. And uh, so Barnabas has this sort of a, a kinship relationship, this, you know, attitude he wants to look after, probably look after him. Um, Barnabas is an encourager to begin with, so he's willing to overlook any anything that Mark might where Mark might be deficient. So yeah, very very well said. I, I think that's right in line with uh, with Luke and how how Luke frames. Uh, frames the account, and if you keep reading, I, I remember hearing uh, John MacArthur preach uh, some some years ago. Uh, just going through the the text, and it's amazing. Some of these people we don't really maybe think about a whole lot. We don't think about Tychicus. We don't think about uh, Epaphroditus. We uh, don't think about Demas. But if you follow uh, the the narrative uh, about Mark and Acts, uh, he drops out uh, pretty early on uh, around. 49 uh, AD, but as you keep reading in Paul's uh, letters, his prison epistles, suddenly he's back in contact uh, with with Paul and sending greetings. And you get to his final letter, and I believe he says to Timothy, uh, send Mark for he is useful uh, to me, uh, which is just uh, it's just amazing to think of the of, of God's grace uh, working out that we we can see it's kind of like a story behind the scenes and you even think of these details I uh, just realize going through these things uh, it shows I, I think there are two ex- explanations for this uh, that uh, these accounts are about uh, 
real people in real historical contexts, in real places, at real times, uh, in real history. Uh, and Paul sent these letters. Uh, Luke uh, gave an account of all of these things, and that is why they mention Trump. He, he just mentions people as an aside, uh, but these, these things fit together. Uh, but then also, uh, it's, it's God-breathed. Uh, as, as I've spoken recently with, with Bob, uh, the, the unity uh, of, of Scripture, and you, you even see God's grace in the, the life of Mark, uh, but then you see that Demas, uh, who was once a fellow co-worker with, with Paul, uh, had loved the world uh, and turned turned to the world and uh, abandoned uh, Paul, and so you, you almost have the the flip side of the coin. But Demas never got redeemed, though he never came back. Well, we we don't know what happened after uh, after uh, second second Timothy. That's uh, that's that's a mystery. Only God knows that. Yeah, one more other thing. Uh, you mentioned you brushed on Babylon. Uh, and how it, it's a mystery, kind of mystery code or something like that, that it has to do with the world system. It obviously wasn't original Babylon because Babylon was in ruins, so it mm-hmm. kind of shifted to Rome. But in Revelation, it talks about mystery Babylon. Could it be a shifting place that goes from seat of power to seat of power? Well, so I, I think we'll have to have Eric give us the definitive answer on, <laughs> on that. <laughs> but uh, but I, I think ba- Babylon, uh, even in, it's around like Isaiah 13, I, I think maybe even into 14, uh, Babylon and Babel uh, are used uh, to, to show basically the world city, worldly city, uh, the, the city of man uh, built uh, by uh, by man's wisdom, apart from God, independent from God. Uh, and so I, I think that, that that same imagery can be applied to Rome and ultimately, ultimately to the, the Antichrist and the, uh, the, the end times uh, world system. I just thought your comment about um, Mark being, you know, they'd, as time went on and then the relationship gets restored, it kind of reminds me of after Peter fell and Jesus said, feed my lamps three times. You know, it does keep moving forward. Oh, yeah. And the forgiveness and restoration. But the other thing I was just going to say, two more as a comment, but, um, you know, just I appreciate how you put this all together to lay this firm groundwork to the beginning because for anybody that would be listening to, this is how you begin a study of a book so mm-hmm. that you understand what the issues are and that w- there are pieces that we can't put together, I mean, you know, for sure, mm-hmm. but we use scripture because scripture Scripture interprets scripture, and it does make a logical um, result from all of that. And I just think it was very well put together. Oh, amen. amen. All right. Well, it looks looks like we've uh, run out of time, and so let's just let's just close uh, with uh, with prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for this uh, letter that Paul wrote to to the Ephesians and just for, for all of your word and how, how magnif- magnificent it is, how it, how it all fits together. And I uh, pray that you'd bless us, that you'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see, and that uh, we would really know, uh, as Paul says, and, and understand your, your eternal purposes uh, in Christ to uh, redeem a people for, uh, for your own possession. And so uh, thank you for this day and for for your provision and for your word. And I pray that you'd bless our time together. And we pray these things in the name of your son. Amen.